At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, presented by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care providers of your Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's 133-99 loss last night at the Hive. Yes, it is sadly a Silver Linings edition of the HHC. We have a busy podcast for you today as we provide you baseline to baseline coverage of the Hornets here on the HHC. We'll break down last night's game, provide you with our top performers in our Silver Linings edition, and it's also a game day edition of the HHC as well as the Hornets visit our nation's capital tonight to take on the Wizards, and we'll take a little trip down memory lane as well with the lead writer of Hornets.com, who joins me today on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast, Sam Perley. Sam, thank you as always for joining me today on the HHC. Thank you for having me. Always happy to be here. A little less happy after a loss, but nonetheless, we'll dissect this one. And thankfully, we've got another one tonight, so hope it can bounce back. Definitely a quick memory for the Hornets, at least. So let's go ahead and get a recap of this one, because the Hornets fell last night at the Hive, and it wasn't all that close from the get-go. Charlotte trailed 36-27 to after the first quarter of play, as Devin Booker exploded for 14 points. However, the Hornets were able to end the frame on a 10-2 run, and that run extended to a 17-4 run in the second quarter, thanks mostly in part to Kelly Oubre. And Smith driving against Bridges, spins in the paint, gives to a cutting Kelly Oubre, who thunders down the two-handed jam. That got Charlotte within four, but Phoenix was able to put up 37 points in a quarter to lead it 73-47 at halftime. At the break, three players were in double figures for the Suns, including a 20-point performance from Booker, and from there, things didn't get any better, as Charlotte emptied the bench for the most part in the fourth quarter as the Suns rolled to a 133-99 win, and the Hornets fall to 19-18 on the season. 
Sam, in a game that the Hornets never let in, it seemed like the defense, for whatever reason, never really got set. Phoenix ran up the advantage early, and Charlotte couldn't catch fire on the offensive side of the ball in this one, mostly just because of the poor shooting effort. But the crazy thing about this one, too, is, Sam, that a lot of players for Phoenix were missing. They had a couple of hardship contract guys in there. They had a lot of guys missing due to health and safety protocols, and things, for whatever reason, just didn't work out for the Hornets last night. Yeah, you know, it wasn't uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of anything going on. I don't think you can you can obviously look at the defense, but a lot of it circled back to the offense. I think they had a lot of easy looks to start the game and, you know, not making shots. And then it kind of trickled in. I think you can only kind of keep that up for so much. And then it just started to kind of trickle into the transition defense. And then, like you said, I think they found something with that bench unit in the second quarter, took it from 17 down to four. It was 38, 34. And then Phoenix just they switched the lineup again. And Phoenix just roared back with like a, I think it was a 35 to 13 run. And I think at that point, point it was not saying it it was impossible to come back but against a team like Phoenix that was in the Western Conference or the NBA Finals last year Western Conference champions they've been on a little bit of a skid relative to how they played at the beginning of the year they lost three of four and like you said you know they were down a couple guys but other guys stepped up I mean that's what you know championship caliber teams do they had a lot of guys step up and the guys they had that were available to play Devin Booker Chris Paul Mikhail Bridges I mean they all played phenomenal I mean Chris Paul had 16 assists so in 26 minutes was only three of six from the field so just a really, really great performance by Phoenix there. You know, the Pornas have just not matched up with them well this year. Their two largest losses of the year have both come against the Suns. Thankfully, the Hornets will not be playing the Suns again in the regular season. So that chapter is closed. But yeah, just kind of a wash it away, flush it kind of night for the Hornets, unfortunately. We'll worry about Phoenix next season or in the NBA Finals, whichever comes first. That's what Sam Farber likes to say when we are on road trips in the Western Conference, that's for sure. But yeah, it just seemed like from the get-go, the Hornets weren't really able to get anything done here's what James Borrego said about the game after the contest last night well you're, you're never as bad as you think you are you're never as good as you think you are I think that's the bottom line you come in here comfortable thinking you won a few in a row and you're just going to show up and win games and it's just not the reality in this league especially against a team like that so very humbling experience tonight we got to we got to respond tomorrow night Sam, I thought that was an interesting quote from JB there because a lot of times he's one of those guys that tries to look at the silver linings a lot like we do after losses, but that one, he just did not seem happy by whatever means. I mean, I understand it's not easy to be happy after what ended up being a 34-point loss, but it just seemed like there was a lot of frustrations on JB's end there in that in that comment. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think that's what you want. And, you know, he would have more of kind of an insight on sort of the team dynamic and mentality being in the locker room. But I think you look on paper, you look at, you know, like you said, they didn't have DeAndre Ayton. They didn't have Jamel McGee. I mean, these are two guys specifically that really presented some problems for the Hornets um, in their last meeting two weeks ago in Phoenix. Um, when they played the Suns and not having them. I mean, it's, it's so weird right now with the health and safety stuff. You know, Miles comes back and he hasn't played in 10 days. Even he's only missed two games. He hasn't played in 10 days. You know, it's still kind of a pretty long time to be out. And P.J. Washington was going to be in and then kind of came and was questionable and then went back into protocols right before the game. So it's just it's kind of a weird time right now. You can't approach any game, you know, with too much confidence, too little confidence. I mean, it's it's kind of just a, a very weird time right now. But, you know, it, it certainly was a humbling game. I mean, anytime losing by... 34 points at home you know it's humbling regardless of who you're playing and you know I think you know sometimes they've gotten too reliant on you know having this big comeback or hoping the, the home crowd can fuel them in a comeback or they're going to get them in the second half and they get roaring and, and Phoenix is just too good you just can't do that against Phoenix they're so good you know if Horn- the Hornets want to be you know one of these really good teams in the top half of the conference at some point and they want to you know protect their home court they gotta you gotta compete against teams like this I mean it's just it's simple I mean when you fall behind by 30 in the second quarter you just you don't even give yourself a chance so like I said you know the best part is so you can flush it away and move on to tonight 
When it's all said and done, the Suns end up with seven players in double figures. Four out of the five starters were in double figures, including Devin Booker, who went for a game-high 24 points. The only starter that did not end up in double figures, and Sam kind of just alluded to it not that long ago, was Chris Paul. He was 3-6 from the floor. He finishes with seven points, but 16 assists to go along with six rebounds. On the other side, the Hornets were paced by LaMelo Ball, who had 17 points, and the shooting just wasn't really there for anybody the entire night. The Hornets only shoot 9 of 35 from beyond the arc. That is 27%, while the Suns shot 50% from the floor. Sam, we got a jam-packed episode of the Hornets Hivecast today, so we'll go ahead and jump right into our silver linings. And as the guest of honor, who is your silver lining? My silver lining is going to go to Ish Smith. I think he did a really good job. You know, he's kind of fluctuated in and out of the lineup, and I think he kind of been right on that 9-10 spot this year and he was in tonight and I think he was a really big factor in at least kind of getting him back into it initially when they fell behind by 17 and then went on I think it was a 17-4 to run over the first and second quarter to kind of get them back in it you know his numbers don't pop off the page he had 13 points which I think is close to a season high a season high is like oh it's 18 so fifth double digit scoring performance of the season he tied a season high with eight assists I mean again you look down the box score there wasn't a whole lot to that really kind of stands out but I thought Ish played really well and he kind of kept that second unit uh organized together what you expect from him and you know at least gave the Hornets a second you know kind of fueled that first sort of comeback before things got away from them before halftime so yeah, Ish Smith is my silver lining for the night. Solid pick. Ish has been a really solid player. The last couple of games, really, for the Hornets, I always go back to that plus 27 that he had coming off the bench in Denver right before the little holiday break that the Hornets have. He's been playing some great basketball as of late, doing a really good job keeping the tempo too. I noticed that in last night's game on a couple of different occasions where, you know, LaMelo Ball plays with this pace that we always talk about and he always wants to play with this up-tempo speed. Ish Smith is right behind him, literally and figuratively, especially considering, you know, the depth chart and just the way that he likes to play the game as well. I remember there was one possession early in a game where Gordon Hayward got the rebound, was a little bit slower taking up the court, and then all of a sudden Ish got the ball and it was just like, boom, time to go so Ish definitely doing a really good job leading that second unit the last couple of games specifically for my silver lining I am going to go with Miles Bridges he did not have the best game by any means last night he finishes with 10 points 4-9 shooting three-point shooting was not there oh three from beyond the arc three rebounds three assists and a block and a steal as well but the important thing is that he was able to come back from health and safety protocols that is the biggest silver lining for me we talked about it a couple times on the Hornets radio network we've talked about it several times on the podcast here as well that the first game back for these players coming out of health and safety protocols it's kind of a wash you just kind of you know you get it out of the way it's like that first card at the blackjack table when they redo the deck that you kind of burn and just kind of go from there so miles a decent night all things considered but you know obviously brighter days ahead for him but it was just nice to get him back out into the fold and here's what miles bridges had to say after last night's game about what he thought and what he expected returning from health and safety protocols uh, I'm good. I mean, I got some exercises in at the at the crib, so I was actually more more energized than I thought I was gonna be. You know, I thought I was gonna be a little bit more tired than I was. I mean, but I, I how much did I play today? I really played 25 minutes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I felt good out there. Sam, I think that's the bottom line right there is that Miles said that he felt good out there. I mean, this is another rendition of him clearing health and safety protocols. We saw it last season as well, but, you know, we never know what these health and safety protocols are going to affect or how they're going to affect people. But it seemed like for the most part, Miles was Miles out there. He had a couple of big plays defensively that he tried to energize his teammates with. There was that big block on Macau Bridges. That was one of the few highlights that the Hornets had last night. But all in all, just good to see Miles Bridges back out there. Yeah, absolutely. And like you 
said, it's, you know, this first game back from the health and safety protocols, I mean, you just have no idea what's going to happen. Some guys, you know, are, you know, if, if you know, being in it doesn't necessarily affect them as much and they come back and they're really well rested and they kind of hit the ground running. And some guys, you know, there's no real simulation for live game action. I mean, it's kind of just, it's a real big toss up. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, kind of a so-so performance. Sometimes it's something like, oh, wow, you know, this guy looks like he's been well rested for a week and a half or hasn't missed a beat or maybe, you know, a little something got, you know, something that was hurt or something or injury got healed. You know, JB, I know, spoke before the game about uh, he felt like this was kind of a blessing in disguise for Miles because he had, was up to the league league in minutes and usage was really high this year and it gave him a chance to kind of freshen up his legs a little bit. So again, only played 26 minutes. I think with the game kind of getting away from the Hornets, it, you know, it was kind of hard to get a real footing in terms of organization for the offense. But yeah, I mean, getting him back out there is good. I mean, it's another step forward, you know, with a game under his belt to kind of getting him back to, you know, the miles that the Hornets have been accustomed to seeing this year. And hopefully you can kind of get back there again, starting tonight in, uh, in Washington. When it's all said and done, it's a 133-99 to loss for the Hornets, who now fall to 19-18 and on the season. Don't have a whole lot of time to sulk around, though, after this one, as they are back on the road tonight in Washington. We will get our game preview of that one here in just a few moments. But coming up next here on the Hornets Hivecast, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. It's been two decades since a very memorable game here in the Queen City. We'll tell you all about it next, right here on the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Senta. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Rob Longo and Sam Purley, the lead writer of Hornets.com, with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast after Charlotte's 133-99 loss in the Queen City last night. We'll head to our nation's capital tonight to take on the Washington Wizards. Like I said, we'll, we'll get to that here in just a few moments. But we want to take a little trip down memory lane as Sam Purley had a new story debut on Hornets.com today. If you haven't gotten to it yet, be sure to go over to Hornets.com, check it out. It's called The Perfect Storm Revisiting the Snow Game Two Decades Later. And Sam, this is an interesting one because unlike me, who is relatively new to the Queen City, I don't know this story personally. This was the first time that I was able to read it and kind of digest it. And 20 years ago to the day, there was this huge snowstorm that dumped six inches of snow in the Queen City. Now, me being up north, I'm not going to make fun of any Southerners or anything like that because six inches in a snowstorm, more than likely, we're still going to school. Nothing's going to shut down like it is down here. And I understand, you know, we have snow plows and that kind of stuff, but I digress. But at any rate, really interesting read here. Six inch snowstorm kind of just really crippled everything. And then the way that the schedule set up, the Hornets were scheduled to face the Golden State Warriors. As you know, Western Conference team, they don't really get a chance to come back to the East Coast a whole lot. This was kind of the only shot that this game was going to be played. And it was just a really bizarre circumstance, especially all things considered where we've seen empty arenas now after the COVID-19 pandemic and the way that the season was orchestrated last year for the majority of the season where a lot of these places didn't have fans. But this was kind of the precursor to that all the way back in 2002 where these two teams, the Hornets and the Warriors, didn't really play in front of a ton of people. The official attendance was listed as 7,770, but a lot of people estimate between 900 and 1,200 people came out for that game. Sam, this is obviously going back a ways. We're both on the younger side of things when it's all said and done. Do you remember this game 
taking place when you were younger and what were you able to learn kind of going back into the archives and recollecting this game from in a historic account well yeah well thank you again for one reading it and the feedback and yeah it'll be up on hornets.com this afternoon hopefully at some point um a lot of this came strictly from i was able to talk to steve martin who's a longtime radio and tv broadcaster here with the hornets for over 30 years is just you know i'm fortunate enough to be able if i if i need anything from a hornets historical standpoint to reach out to him he's extremely gracious with his time and yeah i just thought it was kind of an interesting you know kind of looking back at several dates and i kind of remembered that and then it uh, i saw oh look the you know a couple weeks ago look 20 year anniversary is coming up and kind of factoring in sort of the that was sort of a standalone game in the sense of like when nobody was in the building kind of the quietness and eeriness and I thought it was kind of a nice tie-in with last season having so many games with no fans and you know it's just interesting how that was kind of its own standalone game and then lo and behold the Hornets had 20 games or so without having fans in the building but I vaguely remembered a little bit I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time and yeah it was just kind of the title is a perfect storm and I think it was kind of what I learned a little bit more about it was I think a lot of what contributed to the fans not showing up was kind of the impending move to New Orleans. I think, you know, with the snowstorm and you're facing a team like Golden State, who was really bad at the time, you know, they were in, had just fired their head coach, Dave Cowens. I think they were in their eighth straight year not making the playoffs. So it's not a team people are going to come out to see and, you know, risk going through the winter weather. And then you've got this impending move coming up and it kind of just kind of a weird feeling of, why bother? So we'll just stay in and watch it at home. And I think all, all these kind of factors kind of contribute into nobody showing up to this game and just has, I just always remember it kind of taking on this weird sort of like cult classic, like chapter in Hornets history being the snowstorm game. And, you know, there's some photos. And I think the coolest thing too, is like the people that did show up to it, the, the PA announcer said, Hey, come on down, sit wherever you want, sit in the lower level. So kind of a unique game. I was unable to find anybody that actually went to the game, did kind of a last ditch effort on Twitter to see if I could find anybody. There's not a lot of people out there that actually went to it because it was only several hundred but maybe in in 25 year 25 year anniversary or 30 year we'll find somebody at some point but yeah i just thought it was kind of interesting and just you know something that kind of ties into uh you know nba 75 this year just looking back at some historical stuff with the team maybe eventually at some point somebody will hear this podcast and say i was there or at least claim to be and then they'll give you a really funny story one way or the other the thing that stood out to me when i was reading this story sam is you know just like you said the comparison from the way that the season took place last year with no fans being in the arena and then slowly we're kind of ramping up capacity and then back to mostly full arenas around the country this year but that was kind of an outlier back then is obviously people aren't going to go out and watch a team that's not very good attendance is going to suffer but in this instance I mean it was pretty much one of those games that is almost entirely behind closed doors because like you said why bother risking you know travel and watching the way that those two teams were playing back then what was the point really kind of like you alluded to but I was wondering if you know as you were writing this were you able to draw some comparisons to last season as as well, being one of the few people in the arena at times watching the Hornets play where people weren't allowed in the arena. Did you kind of get, I don't want to call it PTSD, but did you get a flashback from last season just kind of writing about the same thing, really, where you're able to, you know, hear the sneakers on the court, hear the players, hear the coaches yell out plays, pick up all of that audio and that kind of that experience that you don't really get in a normal NBA game? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't even think about it. I think the when we first started playing without fans last year, uh, it was really weird at first. And then you sort of got used to it. Then you play 15 or 20 games and you kind of 
don't even think about it anymore. And then it was weird getting fans back. Like that was even weirder, the adjustment of having people in the crowd and things like that. Um, and there were certainly times last year, you know, Terry's buzzer beater against Golden State where it's like you have these huge thrilling moments and you and you look around, and you're like, nobody's here to see this. It's so weird. And I think what kind of makes this such a standalone situation for the snowstorm game is I don't think, you know, going into it, you know, the snow kind of develops. I think going into last season, you knew you weren't going to have fans. Every night you show up, you know you're not going to have fans. This was a one-night thing that you had several hundred fans. And you didn't really, it was kind of unexpected. You know, this this rare snowstorm just kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, within a day's notice. And I don't think people knew to the extent of, you know, Steve Martin said, you know, as long as we had the teams there, we we're going to play. And that's it. So, and you kind of, I don't know necessarily what, if you really factoring in fans, but it was kind of unexpected, the circumstances. And once you kind of looked around and realized, hey, nobody's really here, that's when I think sort of the eeriness and weirdness set in for the 2002 game, just so unexpected and so out of the ordinary that you didn't really go into it preparing or thinking that this is going to be something totally, totally different. So it did remind me a little bit, you know, when Steve Martin's talking about you can hear play calls and sneaker squeaking and things like that. But um, I think that's what kind of makes the 2002 game so unique is what it was just unexpected as opposed to last season where we kind of knew what the deal was going into it for most every night. It's titled The Perfect Storm Revisiting the Snow Game Two Decades Later. You can check it out later today on Hornets.com. Another great piece by Sam Perley. I had a lot of fun reading this one. I got a little sneak preview of it because, of course, we had to talk about it, but really enjoyed it regardless. I don't say that just because Sam is a good friend of mine and I'm a co-worker. I did really enjoy it. I always love a good oral history piece, especially when you bring in people from the past like Steve Martin. So hopefully for the 25th anniversary, we can find maybe a person or two that was able to attend the game and kind of get a firsthand recollection from them as well or maybe we can even get to a player at some point as well coming up next though we do have a game tonight it is a game day here in the queen city although it is on the road in washington sam and i will preview the matchup between the hornets and the wizards next right here on the hornets hivecast presented by senta hornets fans make sure you download the hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience the hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Rob Longo and Sam Perley with you on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Like we've already touched on, it is game day for Buzz City as the Hornets head to Washington on the second night of a back-to-back to take on the Wizards, who the Hornets have already beaten twice this season. Washington will have a rest advantage for this one, who lost on a DeMar DeRozan buzzer beater 120-119 on New Year's Day against Chicago, but seems like everyone is losing on a buzzer beater by DeRozan these days. But at any rate, Washington is decimated right now by health and safety protocols, Montrez Harrell, Rory Hachimura, Spencer Dinwiddie, Anthony Gill, and Brad Wanamaker, who was just signed to a 10-day hardship deal, are all in health and safety protocols within the last week. So Sam, normally we would do a Hornets player to watch, opponent player to watch, and a stat to watch for our previews, but at this rate, I don't even know who to highlight for the Wizards. I mean, I guess Bradley Beal would be the one considering he just returned from health and safety protocols, but I don't know if you were able to dive into the preview as much as I have been able to, but I don't even know who's going to be playing for Washington in this one. Yeah, the health and safety stuff has 
as we know, and we could be listing this stuff now. By the time you hear it, guys get out or more guys get into it. I mean, it's kind of as we saw last night with PJ Washington. Sometimes it takes it up right into game time for these things, you know, with testing coming back and things like that. But a guy I'm looking at right now for Washington that's playing really, really well. And they've had kind of, uh, they've leveled out a little bit since a good start to the season. Kyle Kuzma has been playing really well for them lately. He actually hit a go ahead three against the Bulls the other night with three seconds left before DeRozan returned the favor with the game winner right afterwards. Last five games for Kuzma, averaging 22, almost 22 points, 52% shooting, almost 10 rebounds. Been a really good rebounder from this year. I think he leads the team. Two and a half assists, three point shooting, not quite there. He's just eight of 27 over these last five games, but he's been doing a really good job kind of stepping up and helping the Wizards navigate this health and safety protocol storm or cloud that they're kind of going through that it feels like everybody in the league is going to go through at some point at one time or another this year. I'm glad you took Kyle Kuzma, so I'm going to go ahead and take Bradley Beal. Like I mentioned, he just came out of health and safety protocols not too long ago. He had 27 points in that loss on New Year's Day to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it took him a little while to get there, though. He was 8 of 20 from the field, but he was able to get to the foul line 13 times, converted on 11 of them. He finished with 27 points and 17 assists, so he was able to thrive with some of the other players being out due to health and safety protocols. And again, a couple of them added to health and safety just between really their game on New Year's Day and tonight's game as well. But my player to watch is Bradley Beal. We'll stay with the players on this side of things, Sam, and I will ask you for your player to watch for the Hornets tonight. Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. He's got that first game under his belt after being out for 10 days and you know, had the 10 points. You know, I would like to see him bounce back, and I love the kind of the tie-in tonight. Him and, and Kyle Kuzma are childhood friends. They grew up playing together uh, at the YMCA up in Flint. They're very, very close. Um, I think they, I, I can kind of tell in some of the games they played against each other and the Wizards. They love playing against each other. I think they bring out the best in each other. They still have that sort of competitive attitude to one another that goes all the way back to playing in Flint together. So I like seeing those guys go together and I like seeing Miles, you know, kind of find his rhythm, get back to, you know, kind of those 20 point per games we've gotten so used to seeing from him this season. I like the pick as well. I am going to go with the bench. I am going to go with Kelly Oubre. He had 15 points in last night's loss. He was six of 10 from the floor, three of seven from beyond the arc, only three rebounds, but Kelly has just been so consistent coming off the bench this season for the Hornets. I know that the three-point shooting has, it's been consistent, but it hasn't been outstanding, as you would think, with a guy like Kelly Oubre, who shoots a lot of three-pointers, like I said, three of seven last night, but again, not a terrible percentage by any means, but you know, we're still waiting for him to have that really, really big breakout game just from the last couple of weeks where he was in a little bit of a slump, then he came out of it, and now he's just being consistent night in and night out. I'm going to look at Kelly Oubre to do the same. I thought he was going to have a breakout game last night against Phoenix, just kind of a revenge game in, in a sense, playing against his former team. Again, 15 points, nothing to sneeze at, but I think he gets another revenge game tonight against the Washington Wizards, so Kelly Oubre is my player to watch for the Hornets. One more thing to look at on our preview, Sam, and it is a statistic that you're going to keep your eye on. And of course, as the guest of honor, I will let you go first. What are you looking at? I'm going to be looking at the rebounding. The Hornets got out rebounded by I think 17 boards last night in Phoenix. You look at their last game against Washington, which was on November 22nd. They won 109-103. Got out rebounded by almost 30 rebounds. I don't think that's happened too often in the NBA where a team wins and they get out rebounded by 30. They gave up 20 offensive rebounds to Washington. So 
credit to them for at least kind of, I guess, finding a way to win despite the discrepancy on the glass. Look at two things in particular. Mason Plumley fouled out in that game in 22 minutes. P.J. Washington didn't play. So that was kind of probably a big reason as to why the numbers were so disproportionate. And again, credit to the Hornets, kind of, I guess, defensively, they were able to kind of uh, limit a lot of those second chance opportunities for Washington at the time. So got to get back to the boards. You got to get that number at least close or even in win it as well. But I'm looking at the uh, the boards tonight. It's going to be a big one for the Hornets. On my side of things, I am going to look at field goal percentage. I mentioned that it took a lot for Bradley Beal to get going in that game in Chicago the other night. He was 8 of 20 from the floor. He did not shoot the ball particularly well. I mean, he just took such a high volume, but there were some other guys that had some really hot shooting nights like Kyle Kuzma. He was 12 of 18. All in all, the Wizards shot 53% and ended up losing the game. So just a bizarre circumstances, mostly because they don't shoot the three particularly well, and it showed in that game where they just shot 22%. On the other side, Chicago was able to go 50% and shoot 17 of 34 from beyond the arc. So, I mean, the Wizards are a little bit old school in that sense where they don't make a ton of threes they only made six in that game just back on Saturday I'm going to look at field goal percentage if the Hornets are able to clamp down a little bit defensively and I think a lot of times when you see Charlotte play in these games where they don't necessarily have a great defensive effort they respond with a really good defensive game I think you've seen that the last couple of times that the Hornets have played where James Brago I don't want to say he calls him out but when he stresses the defensive effort on the floor they kind of clamp down and they have a really strong effort the following night and the Hornets you know as we know this season haven't played very well on the second night of back-to-backs I think that changes it's a familiar opponent in the Washington Wizards it's another banged up opponent in the Washington Wizards so I think somehow some way the Hornets are able to find a way tonight they're able to clamp down defensively if they hold the Wizards to a lower field goal percentage than normal if they are able to get them around 40 percent a little bit below 40 percent i think charlotte's got a really good chance to win this game yeah i love it and i think this is a good opportunity to kind of you know we talked a lot about the not winning the second game on a back-to-back i think this is a good one you got a good chance to kind of see what you're made of respond you've gotten a team that you've beaten twice this year you held them to 87 points and 103 points in both your games here so they've they've found something defensively that's worked against the wizards tonight i think you can kind of get that defense locked in a little bit more settled than he did against the suns hopefully generate some opportunities in the other way offensively. And, you know, I think the Hornets are just, I think they're just going to play better tonight. I think they're going to play offensively. They're going to play better. And I think that's going to help the defense. So I would expect a nice bounce back effort tonight and hopefully get back in the win column. It all begins at seven o'clock tonight. You can catch all the action on Valley Sports Southeast, as well as the Hornets radio network. I am still in health and safety protocols. So Sam Farber can provide you with all the action for that one. I will be cheering from my couch, just like everybody else these days. But with that said, that'll do it for this edition of the Hornets High. Podcast. Sam Purley, lead writer of Hornets.com. Thank you so much for joining me on the HHC once again today. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. Once again, we will have a recap of this one tonight right here on the Hornets Hivecast. For Sam Purley, I'm Rob Longo. Thank you so much for tuning in to the HHC once again today. And we'll see you here tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.